Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 123, The Undertaker. Yes, we're doing WWE wrestling things. I'm very excited about this. You know, the purview of our show is myths and legends throughout time, and we love talking about things that you would traditionally think of as mythology, but also we love deconstructing how and why we retell stories in the modern era. So talking about a character that has a mythology of their own and understanding a mythology of this like major entertainment universe was really interesting. Yeah, and I mean, it's a hero's journey told over weekly television for 30 years. That is a wild concept, and I really, really liked looking at it kind of through the mythology lens. You know who have excellent personal mythologies? Would that be our new patrons, Deanna and Kayla? Absolutely, as well as our supporting producer-level patrons, Philip, Julie, Eeyore, Samantha, Christopher, Kathy, Vinny, Danica, Marissa, Sammy, Josie, Neil, Jessica, Phil Fresh, and Deborah. You all have the WWE championship belt hanging on your wall. You look right now, I put it there for you. And uh, never with a dusty belt in sight are our legend level patrons, Haley, Sarah, James, Jess, Sarah P, Sandra, Audra, Jack Marie, and Leanne. The universal champions of our hearts. Totally, totally, totally. Julie, what were we drinking during this episode? So we did an early morning recording for this one. I know you were rocking a tequila sunrise. I made I sure was. cold brew cocktails for Eric and I, mostly because when you're about to sit down to watch WrestleMania, which is this Sunday, by the way, you absolutely need that energy. It is like an eight hour show. So you're going to want to have that caffeine level intake high. Yes. And we asked uh, editor Eric Schneider to come on board and tell us all about The Undertaker since this is his favorite wrestler. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, extremely exciting. Maybe not his favorite wrestler, but one that he really wants to talk about. Yes. It's been it's a childhood. It's like something you grew up with. And also this week, I want to let everybody know that Julia and I guest starred on this great role-playing game podcast called Board Ghost. We played a wonderful game that is not yet released. So we were like very exclusive. Um, when we played Undead Female Water Spirits. Rasalka. And Rasalka. Yeah, it was. I'm sorry, I said undead there because I was so in the Undertaker headspace. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we played Water Spirits called Rasalka. It was extremely exciting. We got to invent backstories and use spells and let curses, you know, fly upon different people. And it was a really fun time. So if you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, that's great. And if you want to just check out our episodes, there's one coming out today and one coming out next week. Yeah, uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. It was really, really interesting. And they have a massive backlog. So if you're looking for something to really deep dive into, highly recommend the show. Absolutely. And we also want to let you know that this episode does mention, since it is wrestling, some discussions of bodily harm and violence. So just a heads up, if that isn't your thing, feel free to skip this one. But if this is completely up your alley and you would love to share the show with a couple of friends and invite them over to WrestleMania, Julia and Eric talk about it in the episode. But please tweet us at Spirits Podcast and let us know what your favorite musical is in order to get a wrestling recommendation or just share with us your very punny party foods. Don't worry, it'll make sense. Yes, it will. Without further ado, enjoy Spirits Podcast, episode 123, The Undertaker. So listeners, as you are listening to this episode, as it is downloaded and in your feed, we are four days away from WrestleMania? That is correct. And no. so I... Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Four days. Yeah. So... um. 
I think, I don't know if you suggested this first, Eric, or if I approached you about it. Either way, it it makes sense. I think I suggested it like week two of the podcast. I was like, we should do Undertaker sometime. So because you are the wrestling expert, I am I am but a, a, a newbie when it comes to wrestling history. I thought it would be really interesting for you to tell us about the dead man before WrestleMania. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about The Undertaker. The the phenom, the undead wizard of the WWF and WWE. See, I didn't know undead wizard was one of his titles, and that's very I don't good. Know, I don't know if he was ever referred to as the undead wizard, but he is definitely an undead wizard. It's true. This is definitely maybe modern folklore by some definition, and I am here for it. it I have a tequila is. sunrise. It is 11 in the morning, and I'm ready to go. I've got a cup of coffee. Now we all have some history with wrestling. You guys watched in the in the in the nineties during the Attitude Era on and off, as did I occasionally. I got back into wrestling in college when we had free cable and then very kind important. of watched it for like two Bless. or three years, very sporadically. And then I got mostly back into it fully like three or four years ago right after WrestleMania. So I think it's this is coming up on three full years of watching wrestling for me that I'm at right now. But in that time, I've gone back and watched lots and lots of old wrestling. Mm-hmm. Can we give people a primer on wrestling is scripted? There is also a lot of athleticism involved. There's like a world kayfabe. Can you make kind of a, a general primer for folks? So the the general thing is that wrestling is, is it predetermined outcomes in an athletic TV show. It is, pr- it is presented as a real TV athletic competition where the results are predetermined backstage. There is a great piece, which I will link to in the actual description of the episode by a man named Mike Quackenbush, who is the promoter for... What? It's very cool. He follows me on Twitter. Um, But he is a promoter for a promotion called Chikara. And he has a great, great little speech, five-minute speech that he does, which is all about... Hey, wrestling is just imagine if your comic books like performed in front of you. Imagine if you could see, you know, uh, Marvel's Avengers Infinity War, but performed live in front of you with the very much assumption like, okay, what we're doing here is real. And before we get fully into it, so Amanda mentioned kayfabe. Kayfabe is the the fictional world of what is happening in wrestling. The characters go by their kayfabe names. The storylines happen in kayfabe when things happen in the real world outside of that it is referred to to sh- as shooting so it's it, there's there's working which is the working the kayfabe and shooting is the the real world our world like expo exposing the 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 peak behind the curtain in fandom terms kayfabe is canon and shooting is out of canon the other great thing about wrestling in general is that because it is a real athletic competition, it takes place week to week. And because of that, like these storylines are not told in like a 10 episode season from April to May. They are told yearly over 30 years. The Undertaker's story starts in November of 1990. Oh boy. Which is a long time ago. That was before Amanda and I were born. Yeah, Julia, but as I do that math, I'm just like, that can't have been 30 years ago. Oh, no, oh, no. it's almost 30 years ago oh, no. because we are almost 30. <laughs> he shows up at Survivor Series 
and he is hailed from Death Valley. Of course. This guy oh boy. is... There's, it's, the, his music is a funeral procession. There's like a gog. <laughs> it is extremely different from everything else you've you've heard before because most people are like your Hulk Hogan's or your your uh your Bret Hart's, and they've got like loud jamming music. And this is a dude in a giant large brim hat, a black overcoat, a purple tie, and he just slowly, slowly walks out to the ring and just decimates people in this match. And he is just taking people out one by one. He takes out Bret Hart. He does some damage to Jim Neidhart, Birdman, just like is decimating people. And it's like, who is this person? We have never seen a character like slow and methodical. His signature like thing he does in the ring is he gets like laid out, which happens all the time. But then he sits like straight up. And it is like a zombie oh, no. from the spooky grave. as fuck. It is taken directly from uh, for the Halloween movie series. Yeah, it in is. Which, in which Michael Myers does the exact same thing. But it is like so spooky where like you see like these heroes and whatnot like fighting this dude. And then he just sits back up because like hauntingly scary, especially the way other wrestlers, they they sell it in the ring. Selling is is the idea of like making a move feel more real than it is because obviously... They're not punching they each other harmed. for real right. every single time. That would you would these matches wouldn't be thirty minutes long if these very strong men went at their <laughs> full actual strength for that long. Just full full punch. That's that that's a no go. And like when he sets up, people freak the fuck out, and it is terrifying because it's so so funny. The other thing that was very spooky about Undertaker is that he would no sell a lot of moves as a character. So like. Early Undertaker, like, it wasn't like he was doing this maliciously. Like, no selling you can do to be an asshole. Be like, you don't hurt me. But, like, he was this. So, like, someone punches you and, you're, and you don't act as if it hurt you. Exactly. So, like, he would, like, take the hit, but, like, also, like, remain standing to, like, what would normally, like, take someone down. And it was like this, like, he would still lose matches and win matches and the same kind of stuff like that. But he would definitely have this feel about him that was, like, way, way more, like, an undestructible force that just, you could, he was literally death incarnate, it Mm -hmm. felt like. So how did the other wrestlers feel about this when he is, like, not playing by the same rules? So, I mean, back in the early 90s, we're still in a very, like, gimmick-heavy era where, like, there's lots of, like, weirds there there were clowns evil dentist there were there were an evil dentist <laughs> there was a lot of silly stuff at this point so undertaker is still coming off the heels of that so it was more like this is a weird supernatural thing but it's also being played up as very silly because wrestling is still very silly at this point so i mean they are like there's also this inherent comedy in the fact that an undead wizard hailing from Death Valley is at all <laughs> interested in the going odds of the World Wrestling Federation. So, which will become more and more ridiculous as we get into like deeper storylines later. Mm-hmm. But like, it's, it's, there's this level of just like pure, I don't know, non sequitur comedy where it's like, why is this person even right. here? So, for everyone else, it's like, I gotta beat The Undertaker. Undertaker's really good. That's my job. Like, it's, it, no one's like, 
you don't belong here. Why are you even here? Kind of stuff. It is. It is. It is silly in a way that is also serious in a, in another sense. Well, it's kind. Of, it's important to know that wrestling kind of comes out of a carnival, carny kind of history and background. So the inherent comedy of wrestling, professional wrestling, comes out of this idea that you had to entertain no matter what. So even if you were just this big, strong man going up against a clown, you still had to make this performance, one, believable, and two, entertaining for the crowd. Right. So the first big point we'll touch on Undertaker is that he initially has a manager named Brother Love, who is this ridiculous character, very kind of sleazy used car salesman type, uh, trying to like promote The Undertaker. He eventually hands off Taker's management to Paul Bearer. Which, oh, that name is so good. (laughs) Which is a great name. It's Paul Bearer. The Undertaker is The Undertaker. And uh, Paul Bearer is a mortician turned wrestling manager. Of course he is. He started off his career with Undertaker by helping Undertaker uh, defeat Hulk Hogan for the WWE Championship in 1991. So like big win against known racist Hulk Hogan. Paul Bearer would walk around with this urn which seemed to have some kind of magical control over The Undertaker. No one's exactly sure what was in the urn. Sometimes it would have, like, smoke come out of it. Sometimes it would glow. They'd shine, like, a light onto it, so it, like, glowed in a weird way. So it was this, like, magical urn. I mean, it's got to have, like, his soul in it or something, right? Like, if we're if we're going from a mythology standpoint, the only way you yeah. could possibly have control over this person is if it has their soul in it. Like, think uh, um, Koshay the Deathless. Or maybe... Oh, wait, oh. sorry. Undertaker is Koshay the Deathless of Wrestling. We found there it. There we go. We found it. So where did he bury his heart? In the urn that Paul Bearer has. <laughs> yeah, but is it like inside a, a, a fish that's inside a bear that is under a mountain that is marked with pine trees? It's just under every wrestling ring. <laughs> it's under every oh, wrestling no. ring. And Paul Bearer under just carries seat. it around city to city. <laughs> Undertaker was a heel known as a bad guy. Uh, heels are known as bad guys, faces are known as good guys in wrestling, until backstage saves the macho man Randy Savage from a vicious attack by Jake the Snake Roberts. <laughs> so once again, as we talk about silly wrestling stuff, there was a guy named Macho Man Randy Savage. You, who, you probably heard of him. Who we will link in the show notes, my favorite Macho Man promo, in which he talks about the creep rising to the top. It is my single favorite thing that I think has ever happened backstage at wrestling. Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts had a giant snake. So like, that's oh. the kind of era of silliness we are we are in at this point. Which, you know, the reason that I know the, the minuscule amount of wrestling that I do is that in high school theater club, Julia and I were friends um, with a, a ton of the people on the tech crews, many of whom were like burly men who loved wrestling. And to me, it makes absolutely no sense that every fan of theater is not also a fan of wrestling yes. and vice versa, because wrestling is musicals is wrestling is musicals. And I think anyone who loves wrestling should watch a ton of musicals and any spirits fans who are like, I love Little Shop of Horror. I love camp. I love like character i think you get a lot of enjoyment out of wrestling too i am not without its faults but after this episode i am opening up my tweets please at me and ask me what the best place to start with with wrestling is by telling me your favorite musical just include me on those as well i won't be able to help with the musical side of it but i'll just i'll just send you to some some good stuff anyways paul bearer and taker have a have a good relationship for for five years until in 1996 paul bearer attacks undertaker (gasps) with the urine and aligns himself with mankind. <gasps> mankind is a man that should not be wrestling. He is known as Mick Foley. You might have heard of this man before. He's played a couple different characters 
And uh, Mankind wore like a button down shirt, had a tie and like a weird, weird leather, like half leather, half strap kind of thing going on on his face. It was very weird. He was not a particularly physically fit looking man in an era where like everyone was a big beefy hunk. He was just a very <laughs> average looking dude. In 1997, uh, Taker is now feuding with Mankind and Paul Bearer and he sets Paul Bear's face on fire, because of course you do. And then, uh, however, later he, Paul Bear gets Undertaker back on his side because he claims to have a deep, dark secret about Undertaker's past. No. So it is revealed later on that Undertaker's mother and Paul Bearer had an affair. No. And produced his half-brother, Cade. <laughs> Oh no. Cade with what a, a K. Reference. So Cade, not with a C like the Bible, but obviously extremely clear. What's happening correlation here? here? Along with this, as a child, Undertaker set. Now, this is where it gets confusing <laughs> because Paul Bearer is a mortician who runs a funeral home. Mm-hmm. But also, Undertaker used to live at a funeral home as well. I couldn't find in my research if this was the same funeral home because Undertaker sets this funeral home on fire, killing his parents and his half-brother, Kane. Mm-hmm. This no. is This is presumed an accident. Sure. Later in 1997, at the pay-per-view Bad Blood, Undertaker is wrestling Shawn Michaels, who is one of the best wrestlers then, before, and much later on, as we will, as we'll talk about, and the match is a Hell in a Cell match. I think it's the first Hell in a Cell match, which is instead of like a steel cage around like the exact perimeter of the ring, it uh, it entirely engulfs the ring and the uh, bit outside of the ring as well and has a ceiling. So you are trapped in this cell and the door does not get unlocked until you, till you pin or submit your opponent. They are traditionally the most vicious matches mm-hmm. that you get in in wrestling in american wrestling over in japan they do some like stuff where like there's piratas like surrounding the ring like some real crazy stuff barbed wire ropes wwe doesn't do anything that extreme but in wwe terms this is one of the more extreme matches that you can you can get mm-hmm. And that surprised me when I first started watching um, two, which is that it's not just like UFC or like boxing. It's not all inside the ring. Like people, the the whole the whole arena is your playground and people leave it. They run away. They grab ladders and chairs. And the Hell in the Cell is interesting because it very much is like like a bubble. You know, it's like a birdcage or whatever around the actual ring where there is like no leaving and no tricks until the match is over. During this match, out of nowhere, shows up down the ramp a giant man in red and black with a very, very scary red and black mask. This dude shows up. The announcers are like, this must be Cade. And he just rips the door off of the cell, which is like locked in hand steel. Like it's it's impossible to get open. They're stuck in here. And Kane just shows up, rips the door open and just interferes with the match, causing Undertaker to like probably win the match because he probably punched Undertaker, which means... If you're the one assaulted by an outside party, you lose. But like the match doesn't end with a win by pinfall or submission, which makes Undertaker pretty mad. So once again, wrestling silly, 
Undertaker demands that there's a DNA test to prove that Obviously. him and Cade are <laughs> Jerry are Springer does it. Because, because, I mean, like, he's an undead wizard, but also he believes in modern science. <laughs> Wait, where, where did the wizard part come from? I got the undead bit. Oh, he why can, is like, he a wizard? I, 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 I didn't cover this, but he can, like, control lightning. And, like, oftentimes, like, oh. he'll just be, like show up and like lightning bolts will strike a bunch of parts of the ring or strike some other thing. He'll cause a blackout. It's great. Yeah. Like, so when Undertaker enters the ring, the, or when Undertaker shows up, the lights completely go black in the arena. And then there's a gong. And then there's usually lightning bolts. And so this is all presumed that it is not the tech team, but the magical (laughs) powers of, of the phenom himself. Got it. After Undertaker and Kane are revealed to be actual half-siblings, they uh, team up and... Obviously. uh, Oh, good. Now all our differences are aside. And then Undertaker and Paul Bear betray Kane this time. No. And then he admits that he did the arson on purpose. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Tried to kill his half-brother. So just like a lot of stuff, Undertaker and Kane have been like feuding and on the same team they've been referred to as the brothers of destruction multiple multiple times they've had they've had tag belts together they've had championship reigns together uh they are a back and forth thing because obviously there's a lot of baggage going back years and years Mm -hmm. and years paul bearer kind of leaves for a while and the only real notable other thing that happens uh with undertaker and paul bearer is that he does come back in the early 2000s and at one point, there is a match where uh, Undertaker is facing uh, the Dudley boys. And the stipulation is that if Undertaker loses, Paul Bear will be encased in a giant glass cage with cement. Oh. Undertaker wins the match and then pulls the lever on the cement truck, killing Paul Bear. Damn. Which is not really explained why he does it. There's also a very funny uh, backstage clip, a very rare backstage clip of them rehearsing this thing. The whole thing is shot, pre-recorded, and there was a stunt double that was actually in the the glass cage with the cement the other time. And then it's revealed later on that Paul Bear was not actually killed because everyone's like, that was a bit dark. Yeah, it was. Killing a bad with cement. So he's like gravely injured and in the hospital. And then he eventually comes and goes. So now we're going to cover one specific match, which is the 1998 King of the Ring Hell in a Cell match with mankind. A bit of lead up to this, obviously we had talked about Paul Bearer betraying Taker to uh, like uh, help out mankind. So as soon as mankind shows up in 1996, he just immediately starts feuding with Undertaker. He would ambush him for months, like after matches, in the backstage, a bunch of stuff. There were these things that mankind would do called boiler room brawls where you had to like wrestle mankind in a boiler room of the arena you were in which were like wild like very very confusing after paul bearer betrays him there is a buried alive match now this is another kind of silly wrestling match in which there is a grave to the to the side of the ramp and the match ends when you incapacitate your opponent throw them in the grave which is not super close to the rig like you have to carry them over there throw them in and then with a shovel shovel some dirt onto them until they are buried alive you know like you do undertaker gets mankind into the 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 tomb and then he manages to get out and then mankind gets undertaker in there and then like a bunch of people including triple h and some other guys all show up and they help mankind bury undertaker now here's one of those supernatural things amanda was was asking about 
the the show ends with a lightning bolt striking the the tombstone and then undertaker's purple glove reaching out <laughs> of the grave that's very good and it's like it's like he's not dead yet you can't kill him i really do appreciate the fact that they chose like the very royal purple for him because you know out of context of wrestling purple is not a very intimidating color i wouldn't be intimidated by a man wearing all purple and yet i am it's royal it's royal. I just saw a cursed child, and I think they make really interesting use of the color purple um, in the in the costuming, which I appreciate. Yeah. It, it very much reminds me of uh, like Darkwing Duck's characters, like his colors. Yeah, yeah. I've always described Darkwing Duck as a real Undertaker mm-hmm, type. Thank you. Although now that I think about, it, they do have a similar hat as well. So maybe there is a, maybe there's more similarities between Darkwing Duck and Undertaker than I than I thought. It didn't come up in the research, but you never know. <laughs> okay. What is that? Darkwing you Duck. You remember Darkwing Duck? When no. there's Let's trouble, you call DW. Dangerous. <laughs> this was God. a. This was a. So there's Ducktales, and then there's also in the same Ducktales universe, Darkwing Duck, who is essentially like the Batman of the Disney Duck universe. Okay, lots here. I don't know about. I was like, if that's a wrestler, guys, you should probably explain who it is so the audience doesn't get uh, confused. Nope, it was just me. Nope. No, this is this is an animated Disney show <laughs> from like the early '90s. I had all the action figures. I they had all the, the shows on VHS, so I feel you. So a few other things before we get into this match that I mentioned leading <laughs> leading us to. Uh, there is a match where uh, Paul Bear is hung above the cage, above <laughs> the ring in a cage. That. That's that's a common thing that they do. They just put someone in a little tiny shark tank and they they loft them above and whoever like wins the match gets to bring the person down and like i don't beat them up or like take them away safely it's a very silly thing i've seen these in real life it's almost always purposeless and there's always like some kind of shenanigans where like the person in the cage like has brass knuckles they can throw down (laughs) to the person that's on their team that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. it sounds so video gamey i love it Mm -hmm. Kane and Mankind team up at some point to take on Stone Cold Steve Austin and Undertaker, which just devolves into chaos. Uh, Undertaker ends up just attacking Paul Bearer and Austin and Kane finish the match on top of uh, Hell in a Cell, just kind of like fighting. And it's just pure chaos. So they book this match for King of the Ring. It is Mick Foley as Mankind against Undertaker. The match starts. Foley comes out. And what does he do? He does not enter the cell. He instead climbs up the cell, which is not how the match cannot start until both people are in the ring. So he just climbs up there. Undertaker comes out. He's like, well, I guess this is what we're doing. He climbs up the cell. What happens is a giant battle on top of the cell in which Undertaker throws Mick Foley off of the cell onto the announcer table. Yep. This is, describe for the audience for a second how tall the Hell in a Cell. They estimate the fall at 16 to 22 feet, depending on like the angle of of throw. Oh my God. Onto a table. These tables are designed to break and cushion a fall a bit, but you're still falling 20 feet or so. When he falls through the stage, JR, the announcer says, good God almighty, good God almighty, (laughs) that killed him. As God as I have witnessed, he is broken in half. Oh no. (laughs) That really sounds Victorian. They get Mick Foley on a stretcher, start stretching him out. Undertaker comes back down. He's like, well, that's that because I I threw him off the cell. I did the murder. He can't get up. He gets up, Mick Foley. He climbs back up the cell oh, with a dislocated shoulder at this point. Mick! Undertaker oh, follows him back up. And now here's what happens. This 
is not part of the kayfabe. This is not supposed to happen. He choke slams Mick Foley on the top of the cell, and the cell breaks. And no. Mick Foley goes falling through the cell and lands in the ring. Oh my god. No. Undertaker legitimately thinks he has killed Mick Foley. Because he just kind of like he because he gets knocked unconscious because this was not supposed to happen. And also, Undertaker was initially standing on the same piece of like fencing. And then right at the last second, decided to move his foot onto like the reinforced like bars that like make up the cell to like get a bit more lift for the slam. If he did that, he would have like come down with him. Oh, Lord. Which would have been bad for everybody, probably worse for everybody. So then more announcing shenanigans. They say, good God, good God. Will somebody (laughs) stop the damn match? Enough's enough. And uh, Jerry the King Lawler added, that's it. He's dead. Cool, cool, cool. Let's just actually call people's death. The match is not yet over, though. Undertaker has to climb back down. He gets finally into the cell. He choke slams mankind onto a bunch of tacks and then tombstones him and wins the match, defeating mankind, ending their feud. So that is the the early uh, few years, the, about the first decade or so of the Undertaker. So I think what we should do is take a break, <laughs> yeah. head to concessions, come back, and uh, and talk some more Undertaker. Get a quick juice box like McFoley would want us to do. Julia, I think a wrestling party is the absolute best excuse to break out your fresh new clothes. Yeah. I love showing up to a party and having my friends who normally see me in sweats or in the same four t-shirts be like, oh my goodness, look at that beautiful patterned button down, like the ones that I get from Stitch Fix. This is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, your budget, and your lifestyle. And at stitchfix.com spirits, you can fill in your sizes, what kinds of styles you like, how much you're looking to spend on each different kind of item. If you like have too many jeans, say don't send me jeans and they won't. And then a personal stylist picked just for you will handpick five items to send right to your door. How it works is you get the box, you try these amazing things on, you keep what you like. And if you don't like anything, just put it right in the envelope they send you and send it right back. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are all always free, and it's not a subscription service, so while you can get scheduled shipments, you don't have to just kind of get one whenever you want to refresh the wardrobe. And at that link, stitchfix.com spirits, you will get 25% off when you keep all five items that the stylist sends you. That's stitchfix.com spirits. Thanks, Stitch Fix. And now I'm going to talk about Lola, Amanda. Lola is a female-founded company that offers a fresh line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and cleansing wipes. All natural stuff. They don't put any chemicals in it. They don't bleach things. It is all safe for your body. The nice part about Lola too is it is a subscription service. You can get pads and tampons delivered to your door every single month or however often you have periods. And they send you what you need. So if you're like, I have a couple of light days, then two heavy days, and then one more light day, they'll send you what you need for those days. And honestly, my favorite part about Lola is they do good with every purchase. So every time you make a purchase, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the US. And I think that is such an admirable trait for a company. You can get 40% off all your subscriptions by visiting mylola.com. That's M-Y-L-O-L-A.com and entering the promo code SPIRITS when you subscribe. Again, that is mylola.com and enter the promo code SPIRITS. Thanks, Lola. 
And finally, we would love to welcome a new sponsor to the show. This is a service that I have been using for years, and I am super stoked to bring them to our listeners. Hover is your source for buying domain names online. You probably know that feeling if you're a person that does projects, that buying a domain name is like making the thing real. And Hover is awesome in managing all different kinds of domains. So from the spirits domain that's going on four years old to the multitude one that's much newer, I'm able to keep all my domains in the same place to pay for them with the same credit card and to have the flexibility to choose the right platform for my business, whether that's email hosting, just domains, or whatever kind of website hosting I might need to use, Hover is adaptable, it is quick, and it is super convenient. They have really responsive customer support. I know that when a domain problem is not working and your website goes down, it's like the worst possible feeling. So the customer support team is there if you need them. They let you connect the domain to lots of different website builders, like I said, and they don't really have upsells. They let you add features, but they're not trying to like make you click past a bunch of offers to get what you need. So today you can actually go to hover.com slash spirits to get 10% off your first purchase. That is hover.com slash spirits for 10% off. And go ahead, check them out. Go to the landing page, click around and make today the day that you commit to your new idea by buying a domain name. Thanks, Hover. Now let's get back to the show. So we are back. We're talking Undertaker. We're going to go over the uh, the late 90s storyline of the Ministry of Darkness. Here we go. Oh. oh boy. So this is kind of Undertaker's second phase after like his initial stuff. It is 1998. So it's a few months after the this, this match that we were just talking about. And it's at a pay-per-view called Judgment Day, colon, In Your House. Because there was a series of pay-per-views <laughs> called In Your House. Because they, you can watch them in your house. And it really kind of removes the like scariness of Judgment Day. The pay-per-view names were so good back then. I was just going to say, how have they not run out of extreme names? <laughs> of all, How have they not used all of the combinations of extreme words that have happened? It, it's, it's wild, some of the names of these things. Undertaker says he is going to unleash a plague of evil on the WWF. <laughs> Once again... This is this is at this point there are no more like supernatural characters that kind of all fell away by like the the early um 90s. I mean they there's been a handful here and there, but like for the most part wrestling is like back back to business kind of stuff. Like individuals who are extremely strong having feuds. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like like it's The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin are just like strong guys that are like badasses and have like a purpose and a storyline, but like Undertaker is like this mythical creature that's like, I will unleash evil upon the world. It's like, it's like, <laughs> why are you doing that just specifically to wrestling? Like, it seems like you should have loftier goals than taking control over a wrestling federation. Yeah. So this starts by him interfering with some Stone Cold and the Rock matches, uh, hitting Stone Cold with a shovel, and trying to bury and or embalm Steve Austin alive. Sure, oh. why not? Just why not do that? And uh, Kane stops him at one point. Man, I, I just, I can't get over this idea of embalming as a threat. It's like, I'm going to replace all your liquids with other liquids. <laughs> I mean, it's very, it's very bad. It would be very bad but if it, it happened. It would be bad, yeah, no doubt. But it's just extremely funny also. So now we get into some, some of the more convoluted, weirder, silly wrestling plots. So... Stone Cold Steve Austin has this plan to get Undertaker locked away in an asylum. Oh boy. Okay. okay. The uh the like 
criminalization of mental health in this country is awful and asylums are horror movie tropes. So let's acknowledge that. Move forward. Yes. For some reason, they decide Kane needs to go to asylum. He's the 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 wilder one of Undertaker and and his half brother. So I guess that's that's the plan. So because this is happening, Stone Cold Steve Austin puts a Kane mask on a knocked out Undertaker, and they're like, "That's Kane. Take him." Away. <laughs> we don't know what he looks like underneath that mask. It could be anyone. It's just like like all Shakespeare plots where it's like, I don't know, he put a wig on, so clearly that's a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which they then do, and then Taker escapes the asylum. Obviously, because he's goddamn he magic. Then Undertaker starts recruiting people into the Ministry of Darkness. He starts with the Acolytes, uh, JBL and Farouk, and also gets a, uh, a group of people named The Brood, which uh, includes the future tag team of Christian and Edge and a guy named Grangrel, who I do not recall oh boy. at all. These guys were, these guys were vampires. Obviously. So, okay. So okay. as I as I did say, there wasn't a lot of supernatural stuff. There was the occasional like weird were vampires stuff, but like kind of those like not really vampire vampires. Like like the current wrestler <laughs> Ember Moon. Her gimmick is she's a werewolf, but not really a werewolf. She's just exactly. like pretty and has interesting uh, contact lenses. Yes. Yeah. Pretty like spot on exactly. <laughs> Undertaker's goal with the Ministry of Darkness is to gain control of the WWE. And from there, who knows what? Just Take that's, over the, that's world. the beginning of the plan. And that's the end of the plan. <laughs> During this time, there is the McMahon family, who you might know as the people that run the WWE. There is Vince McMahon, his wife, Linda, and his son and daughter, Shane and Stephanie. They are at this point called the corporation because they are quite literally the people who own the company. <laughs> but they also love injecting themselves into the storylines of wrestling pretty often. Pretty often. So Cade, who is still dealing with this, like, we want to send him to the asylum thing, decides to join up with the corporation to avoid going to the asylum. So Kane then has some inferno matches with Undertaker as he is sided with the the, the corporation where uh, all of the ring sides are on fire and you got to wrestle inside of that, which is, is scary, but not that dangerous because you just don't get thrown out through the fire. Ideally. Undertaker then, in a very vicious move, sets a teddy bear <gasps> on fire. No, no. It is Stephanie McMahon's childhood teddy bear, no. which makes Vince McMahon so, so angry. <laughs> that makes me angry. Too far. <laughs> he reveals that he is taking orders from a greater power. Oh, no. Then we get into one of the darker storylines uh, or moments of WWE history in which Vince McMahon sends his enforcer, <laughs> Big Boss Man, <laughs> obviously, because these names are great, to fight Taker, and uh, Undertaker beats him, and then the Brood come out, and they lower a noose, and Undertaker puts it on Big Boss Man, and they hang him inside of, of a hell of a cell. Oh boy, don't like that imagery one bit. Which they got... Um, in a bit of trouble with the FCC for that <laughs> one. I think it was a pay-per-view, but they were like, I don't know, maybe don't show that for kids. Like, now WWE is PG-rated. But at this point, it was like PG-13 TV mm. stuff. So this was at that point, and it's not like that nearly as much anymore. Thank God. Undertaker tries to uh, Undertaker tries to kidnap Stephanie McMahon because he believes that if he can marry Stephanie McMahon, 
evil gay control of Uh-oh. the company. Here's the thing. Don't like that. So many wrestlers have tried to marry Stephanie McMahon at this point, I think. One actually did, like in real life. One actually, but... Triple H actually does marry Stephanie McMahon, both in storyline and in real life. Mm-hmm. I wow. think they got married in real life, and then they had to weirdly fit it into the storyline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After a couple attempts, he does actually kidnap and holds the black wedding to marry Stephanie McMahon, in which Stone Cold Steve Austin shows up, Jesus. interferes. He's like, I don't want you having control of the WWE. And obviously, Fair. this is the best way to do it. He uh, interferes and stops the wedding. Undertaker, then, in a very weird move, merges the Ministry of Darkness with the corporation, forming the corporate ministry. Oh, no. Undertaker threatens to sacrifice Stone Cold Steve Austin to the greater power. There's a lot of weird sacrificing things happening at this point. Like, multiple people have been, like, hung on, like, the Undertaker's logo, which is, like, (laughs) kind of a cross, but, like, slightly different. The wrestling in the late 90s was the wildest stuff in the world. Now, do we think that the Undertaker was, like... I don't know, sacrificing people to Cthulhu or was it like just weird Eldritch horror kind of thing? Or was it an evil god? Who can say? Well, we do find out and I'll let you know because that evil greater higher power is revealed to be Vince McMahon in a robe. (laughs) In a robe is It was run by aliens the whole time. Like this higher power shows up a couple times just in a robe. And then eventually takes off the the hood and goes, it was me, Austin. It was me the whole time. And it is revealed that this whole plot line is that it was a ploy from Vince to get revenge on Stone Cold Steve Austin because he didn't want Austin to have the, the, the championship. Yep, that sounds right. That feels right. Because Linda and Stephanie McMahon are mad about Vince being an asshole to them because sure. apparently like Vince was in on all of this evil all this evil plot they give control of the WWE to Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> like Linda like was CEO and she steps down and just makes Stone Cold Steve Austin the CEO of in the company in reality in the story what so in reality she was CEO and steps down to run for senate and loses real oh. bad she loses real real bad she loses very poorly and they also give him 50% of the shares of the company. Which you pretty much can't do if you have a company. Yeah. he Yeah. Well, Vince has the other 50% in the storyline. It's a publicly traded company. No, no. But you never you never cut a company's ownership exactly in half. Like someone always has a voting, uh, like a, a kind of vested or voting majority. To wrap up this storyline, Austin then loses control of the company Obviously. in a match with Vince and his son, Shane. And then they gain 100% control of the company. <sighs> Undertaker does a lot of stuff after this. Um, He returns after an injury as the American Badass, where he just rides a motorcycle, does not look like an Undertaker at all, and has a theme song by Limp Bizkit. Okay, okay. So like the early 2000s, very, very different. He eventually returns to the dead man character, but we'll finish this uh, discussion of Undertaker with uh, The Streak. Year over year, WrestleMania is the big thing in wrestling. And it's referred to as the showcase of the immortals. God. <laughs> God, I love wrestling. Why? Who knows? So after a few a few years, they start to realize that Undertaker has never lost at WrestleMania. And it's first called out in uh, 2005. And it is referred to as the streak. 
So lots of people have tried to end the streak. We're going to skip a bunch of the streak matches because there's a lot of them. Undertaker is just beating people year after year. And Undertaker at this point also like is taking a much more backseat kind of role. He's not as involved in these things. He's always very scary when he comes up. He's uh, winning championships. He never holds them for very long. He's always trying to lift up uh, other talent. Mm -hmm. Like he is very much old Respect school that. style guy where it's like you as a big name losing to a young up and start uh, guy is is a way to boost young talent and he was a big big supporter of that not young talent however is Shawn michaels who we who we mentioned earlier in the match where kane first shows up at wrestlemania 25 Shawn michaels is says i'm gonna beat the streak i need to end my career soon i'm entering my twilight years he at this point as uh is kind of has this born again christian not like gimmick but like he is a born again Christian and he like is like, I have the power of light. You are pure evil. I will be able to defeat you. It's not like explicit, but like the subtext is definitely there. Shawn Michaels yeah. struggled with drugs a lot mm -hmm. and like through Christianity found a way out of that hole, which is, is great for him. And so it's kind of like played into this storyline. His entrance to this is amazing. It starts with like, he has this theme song that like starts with I'm a sexy boy. It's okay. You think I'm cute. So, <laughs> I know I'm sexy. It's weird. It's weird. He's referred to as a boy toy in his own theme song. He's the heartbreak kid. Is, yeah. So but before this match, he is wearing kind of the exact same outfit as the Undertaker, but it all white. It is very good. He is lowered onto like the entrance ramp from like this big thing. And like there's like angelic version of the undertaker's <laughs> theme playing and then when he finally gets to the ramp it hits it with his regular music and i kind of wish it did it but like it's still very good he's trying to cement his legacy and he ends up losing this match but the next year he is consumed with finally beating undertaker and undertaker saying no you've already lost you had your chance whatever so eventually after some attacks and, and random back and forth Shawn Michaels uh, convinces Undertaker to have this match, but Undertaker makes it a stipulation. It is the streak versus his career. So if Undertaker loses, obviously the streak ends. If Shawn Michaels loses, his career is over. Okay, okay. So Shawn Michaels knows this is last chance, and it is amazing match. There's not a ton to get into it. It is just a solid, solid match worth checking out. And at the end, Shawn Michaels loses and he has to end his career and he never has another match again ever. Wow. Even if you look it up, he never, he does, <laughs> there, it might say that he had a match in Saudi Arabia recently, but that didn't happen because his career ended at WrestleMania 26. The next two streak matches are with Triple H, Shawn Michaels' best friend. Uh, the first one is a no holds barred match. And this is where my research was the most fun because the matches are like important, obviously. But before every match at a pay-per-view, they have like this vignette where they like go over like the storyline leading up to these matches. It's very convenient. And this one is particularly good because they had some country guy write a song about the oh streak. Oh my God. <gasps> and it's just it. like, it's just like. 18 men have fallen. <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. I love country music and I want to hear that without irony. It, no, it, it was like, it's like a legitimately good song. And also they always like show like shots of like sepia tone. Oh, 100%. And like just like it's some iMovie 7 stuff. 
some of the best stuff in wrestling is not the matches, but these like promos they put together right before a WrestleMania mm-hmm. match because like they tell this like long story in like three minutes and there's always a ridiculous song happening during them. And this is one of the few examples where I think they had a custom song written for, for the thing. Triple H is Shawn Michaels' best friend, so he's like, I'm going to avenge my friend. I'm going to end your thing. He also does marry Stephanie McMahon and uh, is legitimately, at this point, I don't know at this point if he was, but uh, the COO of the WWE. Oh. So he is both an active wrestler and one of the highest people in the company. Mm-hmm. The first match, he ends up losing in a no-holds-bar match. And the second match is another Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania 28. He, it is his third time trying to break the streak. There was one other time earlier on in, in the decade. And he decides to get Shawn Michaels out of retirement to referee the match. And I literally just watched this match before this, this recording. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it is brutal. There is wild stuff happening all the way through. There are sledgehammers involved. Shawn Michaels at one point takes the sledgehammer out of Triple H's hands as he is about to like swing it onto Undertaker's head, which is like, okay, okay, Triple H, like there is a level in which we are going too far in the wrestling match, which is like punching someone in the gut with a sledgehammer. Acceptable. Swinging <laughs> it overhead onto another man's head here. is too much. Like it's 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 wrestling. We gotta we gotta chill. Undertaker attacks Shawn Michaels and uh, Triple H doesn't like attack his best friend, but is like, you have to like call this match, tell him that he lost. At the end, Triple H like is clearly defeated, does his signature suck it move, and uh, then Undertaker tombstones him and loses. Like the the acting, whatever you want to call it, the emotion behind this match is unbelievable. At the end of the match, when the cage lifts, the three of them walk out arm in arm up the ramp together and like hug. And it is like a truly emotional moment because like it is kind of like this final moment between these three legends. But the streak has not ended. Enter Brock Lesnar, (sighs) WrestleMania 30. Motherfucking Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was a UFC champion legitimate like fighting guy who enters the WWE and they have this match with Undertaker where it's who is going to uh who's going to win on this one like no one expected Brock Lesnar to to defeat the Undertaker but after three of his signature F5 moves and a submission he he pins Undertaker at WrestleMania and the crowd is truly truly blown away it is one of the rarest instances of just no one knowing uh what to do with themselves typically as soon as someone wins a match they're the winner's music plays they did not play Brock Lesnar's music for like a solid two or three minutes and it is just just silence like people are shocked uh Brock Lesnar is a weird pick to end the streak a lot of people think um they're trying to build him up in this rising star but Brock Lesnar kind of is a dick and doesn't really care about the WWE yeah. at all. Um, but yeah, so that is the end of the streak. And I think the end of where we'll talk about Undertaker. It is uh, it's a wild, wild ride. And there is 25 years of wrestling history there that we condensed into as little time as possible. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm so, I don't know, I, the Undertaker's legacy and his storyline that's been told over the years is so much the epitome of what wrestling is to me, in the sense that it is these over-the-top, large, legendary stories that are just told over the course of years and decades. No, I, I definitely feel that. And Eric, what is what does wrestling mean to you? Like what do you love about it? Why why do you why are you so delighted by these stories? I think a big thing is that there is this uh unexpected novelty of it. Like because they are it is a weekly show, and I don't watch it every single week, but like because there's this long storyline, there are things that like happen over these extremely long amounts of time. Like in WrestleMania coming up on this Sunday. There is a wrestler named Kofi Kingston who has been in the WWE for 11 years and by pure happenstance and like crowd support is now in the WWE championship match. And they have made like his life a living hell over the past few weeks to get into this match. And like the way some of these things happen is so spontaneous and like there is a plan, but like the plan shifts very, very often and very, very fluidly. Like people will win championships that you just don't expect. So there's this like thing about like where you have Game of Thrones has seven or eight seasons, I can't remember. And it's this story that's told over eight years, mm-hmm. but it's 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 scripted and like you're cutting between these things. You watch these people week after week. And like if you are one of the people, like I didn't watch all of the Undertaker story over 25 years. But like if you did, you saw this amazing arc of like, story happen and like it's it's hard because wrestling is bad a lot of the Mm -hmm. time undeniably but there is this amazing thing about like seeing these amazing moments that like take place over like these long periods that like you don't really get from any other form of entertainment also i was at a live show when undertaker showed up and the lights went black and like he showed up you in the ring out. and it was the purest moment of joy I think I've ever experienced <laughs> in my life. Like I screamed until my lungs hurt because like it's it's this iconic thing that's just like, holy shit, I, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it actually reminds me a little bit of my mom talking about soap operas. Uh, she had mono in high school and stayed home for like a couple of months, just like watching soaps with her grandmother. And some of the shows are still on the air that she watched in the 70s. Um, and, you know, the characters that she empathized with then are now like parents and grandparents. And so I, I realized that they're like different kind of realms and uh, moods of storytelling. But I appreciate that for her, it's something where like it accompanies her through life and different Different things um, appeal to her at different moments, but it's something where, you know, it still has relevance and it still builds on something that she experienced so long ago. And it sounds like that's something um, that that lifelong wrestling fans experience now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So if this has interested you at all in wrestling, there is a, a WWE network that you can subscribe to. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug it for one reason. I'm gonna plug it for one reason. This I is not don't suggest fun. you get this involved in wrestling. But if you sign up, you can get a month free and you can watch WrestleMania, which is approximately seventeen thousand hours long. I think it starts <laughs> at four PM and ends at eleven PM this Sunday. So like it is a very long show, but like if you wanna check it out, like you can get this show for free. It is some of the wildest stuff you will see and it is it is a blast like we have a bunch of people come over people that watch only wrestlemania people that don't really watch wrestling at all people that are big fads and it is always we we get 
we make pun foods. So I always make under taters, nice. which are which are like which are nachos, but like with 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 tater tots at the bottom layer. Very Damn. very delicious. But yeah, it's it's a fun thing to check out. It's definitely not for everybody for sure, but it is a lot of fun if if you're willing to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard to get into stuff that has such a long history, but hopefully this uh, whetted your appetite a little bit. And if you're interested after hearing the episode, hit us up at Spears Podcast on Twitter and Julia and Eric will give you some recommendations on where to start. Yeah. And as the undertaker would probably remind you in his deep, gravelly voice, stay creepy. Stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors. Stitch Fix, your online personal styling service, will give you 25% off when you keep all five items in your box at stitchfix.com spirits. Lola is a company for people with periods by people with periods. Go to mylola.com spirits to get 40% off any subscription service. And Hover is your source for domain names and email hosting. Go to hover.com spirits to get 10% off your first purchase. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.